morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, the 10th of August. Morning, Marcus. You're on overnight for us. What have you got? I am, Ben. Morning to you. Yes, we had the Dow Jones down 58, NASDAQ down 1.2%, S&P down 0.4%. So tech taking it in the neck a little bit, although bond yields were up a tiny touch, two basis points on the 10-year bond yield. The uh, US 10 and two-year bond yield are heavily inverted at the moment, sign of recession. You would have thought that would be uh, uninverting itself at the moment after the recent jobs numbers, but whatever. Not much happening on commodities front. Iron ore price down 1.5%, gold price up a touch, oil price down 03 I see a headline here about Taiwan accusing the Chinese of preparing for an invasion, and maybe that hasn't gone into the... Uh, well, it would get into that, as Tom points out, get into the semiconductor price, wouldn't it? It would be more relevant. Uh, but the prospect of the US CPI number tonight uh, has really killed the range of the market and the volumes in the market, not even Bitcoin's doing anything overnight, plus 0.9%. We have the US CPI we will wake up to tomorrow morning. We should see the first drop in the headline number from 9.1% to 8.7% is the consensus. The range is 8.5 to 9. The first peak, as I say, is gasoline prices are now 31% off the top since the beginning of June. So we will see, it's a fairly pivotal uh, number, we will see whether that encourages us uh, to continue this bounce or kills it dead. Uh, otherwise, Tom will tell you about the CBA results. NAB results had uh, were out yesterday. Stock's up 1% today. Having a look at the NAB numbers in the strategy piece today, I'll come to that in a moment. Uh, otherwise, as I say, yes, not much going on. Waiting for Godot. Thank you, Marcus. Tom, what have you found for us locally today? Thank you, Ben. Well, ASX 200 off 38 points in line with the futures tech names suffering the most block down six percent rea group off five percent healthcare and property names the other big weights on the market energy the only sector in positive territory commonwealth bank down 0.1 percent on results i'll get into a bit more detail in a moment computer share down five percent on results a2 milk off seven percent they said the fda is deferring their request to import infant milk formula into the u.s Grain Corp up 8% on a pretty big upgrade to guidance. They said they expect another bumper East Coast crop in the 2022-2023 financial year. And there is some speculation CleanAway could be a takeover target, although it's not really having much of an influence on the share price, down 0.6%. Nothing on the economic front today. Rio Tinto ex-dividend tomorrow, Ben. Thank you, Tom. I think CleanAway is... Uh, perennial potential takeover targets. Yeah, so it's just yeah. another one to chuck on the pile. Thank you, Tom. Leighton, what have you got out of the brokers? Thank you, Ben. Just looking at NAB and REA Group this morning following those results. So I'll start with National Australia Bank. Credit Suisse says that the market has already priced in the bank's improved execution, meaning that the company will need to beat consensus for year results. But the broker says that this is very achievable. And UBS noted that net interest margins were at the disappointing end of consensus compared to the bank sector's peer results. So both of those brokers are neutral and the average target price for them is around 9.7% above the current market price. And looking just now, I can also see that Macquarie and Morgan Stanley have also updated. Macquarie has an outperform recommendation with a target price pretty much in line with the current share price. And Morgan Stanley says equal weight with a target 
target price, 8.5% below. So not super upbeat there. And for REA Group, again, the response has not been not been very upbeat. Some numbers were just ahead of consensus and some were just missing. Macquarie says that it finds the outlook to be solid, but it can't get past the Australian housing headwinds for next year. And they've got an underperform recommendation and a target price 33.5% below the current market price. Morgan's, UBS and Credit Suisse have all lowered EPS forecasts by around 3 to 7%. And there's an ad neutral and an outperform recommendation in there. And the average of those target prices is about 8% above the current share price. Thank you, Ben. Very nice. Thank you, Leighton. Henry, how are you going today? What are you up to? I'm fine, thanks, Ben. Um, just in my stuff today, just taking a few profits in a few things, uh, some of the lithium stocks and some of the gold stocks as well, uh, selling out of uh, one or two things that have run quite hard off the lows. It did seem to be a running into a bit of a brick wall yesterday afternoon around 2.30, 3 o'clock. Some of the big gains that we saw in the lithium space did run into trouble and reverse. So uh, we are seeing a little bit of profit taking there. Hardly surprising. Nothing massively suspicious, and I'm not changing my view on the lithium space, but uh, given the massive rises in some uh, things like Iron Ear, uh, Core Lithium, which I own, PA, and also uh, the likes of uh, DeGray in the gold space that have we've made 30% in that in a couple of weeks, then uh, just happy to take some money off the table at the moment, especially with the CPI looming large. And interestingly as well, I, I post I put in today in the article in Henry's take about the um, the big shorts. I had a nice picture of Bridget Jones's underwear in there as well. But uh, the big shorts in the market have been showing an amazing rally, the likes of Megaport, uh, Polynovo, PointsBet, all of these stocks have been doing, even EML Payments has been doing well, uh, Lake Resources. If you looked at the, uh, the, the list of all the big rises in the last two or three weeks, it coincides remarkably with the big shorts in the market. So it may be that one lender of stock, because you have to, uh, if you're going to short stock, you have to borrow it from a lender. Uh, it may be that one lender pulled back and uh, asked for their stock back. It is results season, of course, so maybe that's the reason. Uh, but it has formed this big squeeze on some of these shorts and it just looked as if uh, the likes of lake resources etc were being squeezed considerably higher and that maybe that uh, squeeze was running out of um, power so happy to sell some into that uh, also of course as, as marcus rightly says we've got the cpi tonight remembering back in june of course that cpi number which came in at 9.1 percent for the us was the trigger for us markets to flip flop downwards and our market to uh, to fall out of bed as well we will need to see an eight in front of the number tonight 8.7 um, but certainly with gas prices coming off in the us from five bucks to four bucks a gallon uh, that does bode well especially with commodity prices coming off as well so certainly signs of inflation abating but just bear in mind that uh, andrew bailey from the bank of england who is being called eeyore because he's always so pessimistic um, is uh, really getting serious on inflation. The UK is predicted to have 13.3% inflation in October following a big rise in energy prices. They have no gas storage, unfortunately, so it's pretty hard for them. 13.3% and the Bank of England has yet to get to 2% on interest rates. That is a massive, massive differential. Uh, something has got to change there. Uh, the same applies in the US, You know, 9.1% inflation and interest rates still a very historic 
historically low levels despite the recent price rises. So uh, some interest there. Also on Ausbiz today, talking 10 stocks as well. And yesterday, I recorded a NAB Trade uh, podcast with the lovely Gemma Dale, which should be out um, soon. And I will uh, post the link on our website. Good stuff. Thank you, Henry. Lots of good, lots of gems in there as always. Thomas, back to you quickly for that CBA rundown. Thank you, Ben. Yes, well, result appeared to be relatively strong. Headline numbers all coming in ahead of consensus expectations. A stronger dividend was one of the main points there at $2.10. Expectations were for $2.05, and that takes the full year payout to $3.85. One area of concern that drew my attention, though, was the below system growth in its home lending segment or its retail banking segment, and that is on the back of strong competition Competition from the likes of Macquarie. Macquarie starting to steal a lot of market share. And with billions of dollars worth of mortgages expiring next year, that will likely be fueling some anxiety at CBA if it's already losing ground. But it was encouraging to see expenses lower, better than expected dividends, an upbeat outlook for the economy. And it seems that Matcom is singing from the RBA's hymn sheet on the strong consumer and resilient consumer, which is something that NAB talked to you yesterday so all in all relatively okay result and the market digesting it as such very nice thank you tom we've got our income investors section in today as well checking on the dividend portfolio main concerns at the moment results reactions and outlook statements upcoming dividends of course and the general market direction in terms of those dividends we've got a few of our holdings going x in the next few days rio tinto tomorrow with their five and a half percent gross yield suncorp on friday with a slightly less exciting 2.1 percent gross yield and and Horizon Holdings comes on the 22nd of August with a 4% gross yield. Outside of that, just looking at the dividend calendar in general, there's a couple of other notable ex-dividends coming up. Gemworth Mortgage Insurance, GMA, goes X on the 16th with a 5.7% gross yield. And Coronado Global Resources, CRN, goes X on the 29th of August with a 6.8% unfranked yield. Looking at the results coming up, as Tom has just flagged, CBA was out this morning. That was one of the big ones we're on the watch for. The other one being BHP Group out next week on August 16th. We've also got Arena Rate, Telstra and QBE Insurance out tomorrow and Insurance Australia Group on Friday. The insurers may be with a little sweat building after Suncorp's disappointing results. And then finally, at the bottom, we've got our dividend portfolio, X-Ray, which we have in every week. A couple of small moves uh, as results start to drop, but that'll start to heat up in the next couple of weeks. Marcus, what have you got for strategy? Yes, on strategy, I've got a little bit at the bottom talking about the banks, and it says, the banks, they're fine. I was just a bit taken by the mortgage stress beat up that the media did after the recent RBA rate rise. I really don't think there's any mortgage stress at all. And if you listen to what the NAB had to say yesterday, they were saying household budgets are strong. 70% of their borrowers are ahead of schedule. And consumer confidence, whilst it's taken a bit of a dip recently, it is quite clear that there is nothing systemically wrong with the property market. We've seen property prices shade a little bit, but this is nothing but normal cycle. So the banks are really quite safe, I think, at the moment. Uh, We saw the NAB potentially top out the sector yesterday with that 3% fall, uh, but they're up 1% today and the broker stuff's okay. CBA's results Share price down a little bit today in a a dull day, but otherwise they're okay. I think the point is the bank's results are coming out okay. And although the property market may be coming off top a little bit, there's no major 
stress about that. It's just normal. We've got the CBA dividend coming up now. This is a sector you don't buy for growth. This is an income sector. They're not trading stocks either. So we don't need to be cute. The sector dropped 18% after the RBA's surprise rate rise in June, 50 basis point rate rise. It's since bounced 16%. So it's almost back to where it was. I think the message is for income investors, these results are looking okay. ANZ's update was good as well. Don't sweat it. Don't bother trading them. I wouldn't be buying them for capital growth anyway, but the sky is not falling in despite the media beating up the mortgage stress in the or post the RBA rate rise this month. So happy go lucky. The banks, they're fine. Otherwise, strategy doesn't really have much to say today because we're all on the hold ahead of the US CPI number. I've got some details of what to expect in the strategy piece today. The main bet in the strategy portfolio, which I've updated this morning, uh, is what do we do with the 40% cash? And if we see an OK CPI number tonight, we might just deploy that. Otherwise, you'll see we're taking a bet on the tech sector through ATEC, the ETF that covers the all technology sector in Australia. Uh, that's doing okay, not so well today, I've got to say, down a couple of percent. And we've got the NASDAQ hedged ETF as well, which covers the NASDAQ 100 hedged into the Aussie dollar. So it goes up more if the Aussie dollar goes up. That's sort of going okay. We will see what happens tomorrow. If the inflation number is something radical, you might see interest rates move, in which case technology sector could be up or down. Otherwise, happy with the resources bet, not looking so flash today. But that OZR ETF we hold has got its head above water after the BHB bid for Oz Minerals set the sector alight a couple of days ago. We'll just let that run. So happy at the moment with our strategy settings. Let's see what the CPI does. And the ideas portfolio, it's all resources at the moment, except for Macquarie. They're all doing okay, except for today. I looked at, I've always liked REA as a long-term growth stock. It's one of those bottom left, top right stocks. Have a look at the numbers and charts in the strategy piece today. I would like to add it. I want to read a bit of research and ahead of the CPI number. I don't think there's any rush, but chart looks okay. Numbers are cheaper than they were. Good stocks are never cheap. It's on a PE at the moment of 40 times, but it is down from a PE of 60 times, but and not much of a yield. But REA is one of those stocks I think you could put in your five to eight stocks that you regularly trade and get to know. Haven't done it yet. And otherwise, just imposing a little bit of uh, trading discipline on some of the holdings. We've got SFR, which I bought in the ideas portfolio. It's down about 4% from where I bought it at the moment. Uh, you'll see I've just put a little support level in on the chart there. And uh, you might call it a stop loss. Can you believe that? A uh, stop loss level 435. You, in other words, you can lose about 12% in SFR if you follow what I'm doing and it goes wrong. Um, and it's good to know how much you can lose. And that also stops you buying stocks that are too risky for you. So if you can't lose 12%, don't bother. Anyway, doing a bit of stop loss setting on some of the stocks we hold that are more trades than investments in the ideas portfolio. Otherwise, I am off on my motorbike tomorrow morning up to Wagga and then Dubbo and then around the outback, uh, ending up in the Barossa Valley. I'll be back on Tuesday 23rd, I think it is. And I will be keeping an eye on things from the outback, but I won't be keeping an eye on anything to do with the stock market. So good luck without me. You're in good hands, I'm sure. But Marcus, it's just worth pointing out to listeners that, that the ATEC ETF, which is the Alltech Index ETF, is quite heavily exposed to computer share, which had their 
results just recently. Uh, I think it came out um, yesterday and stock uh, not responding too well, which is one of the reasons why we're seeing a bit of a fall in that ATEC ETF around 2.4% this morning. Uh, yeah, thanks, Henry. No, they're out this morning, Henry, down 5% on the back of that. Yeah, of course. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty bad index, really, because it's a bit like a rock in a sock. It's got a few big stocks and then a massive tail of, of uh, nobodies. So we're a bit at the whim of zero and computer share. It is. I've just brought it up. It's 11% computer share, 10% zero, 9% seek, 8% car sales, and then starts to... So you're happy with seek and car sales and all that. But it doesn't include block anymore. No, it does. 5%. Oh, it does. Yeah, it does, unfortunately. And there we go. Very good. Thank you, Marcus. Now, our question today, inspired by Henry's question on our Facebook group, which make sure you're in if you're not already, is never have I ever, in terms of the stock market, which is a game that is often played, where you just say something you've never done. So, Leighton, what's your never have I ever? I have never invested in private equity. I'm sure there are a lot of things you haven't invested in. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to think of something not... Because I've invested in the stock market. And I think the purpose of the game is if anyone has, then they need to speak up. Oh, no, never bothered with private equity. Although we did have that friend of yours in the other day who was involved in the biggest, I think it's the biggest Australian crowdsourcing company, which was very interesting. Mm -hmm. What was the name of that? How do you spell virtual? B-I-R-C-H-A-L. So you can go onto virtual's website and see the things you can invest in Mm -hmm. as an individual with a few thousand dollars type of thing. With a few hundred dollars. There's... The limit yeah, is very low. I've done I've done two. I put five hundred bucks into two different, you know, right. and these early are, seed and these round are unlisted companies yeah. who are just trying to get off the ground. And yeah, most of them are established and then looking to expand and uh, yeah, take the next step into being a big one and hopefully one day at least. Otherwise, I don't know how the money's coming <laughs> back out. But we'll worry about that down the track. Tom. Never have I ever had a margin loan. When we first started broking, well, I first started retail broking. I was institutional for, for 16 years. Then when I went to Bell's at 1998, every account you opened, you opened a margin lending account as well. And, and that would have been when interest rates were quite high as well. Yes, but everybody leveraged. And what were those, uh, Henry, do you remember what the uh, margin lending companies were called? Well, there was a whole bunch of them. I've still got my margin lending account. There's leveraged equities. Never. Uh, there's uh, B. Which morphed into uh, Westpac margin lending. All the big uh, banks have got margin lending facilities, and I've still got my margin lending account. I think I've got two open still. But that was the game. You opened an account, you opened a Macquarie management. management account. It was called a something else at the time. Dolomites. Um, <laughs> you opened a Macquarie uh, cash management account, and you opened a leveraged equities uh, margin lending. Yeah, a couple of margin lenders. Never have you ever. No. Henry? Never, ever have I done a personal budget. Um, Not something I've ever got my head around. Uh, Interesting, though, looking through some of the comments on Facebook, which we put up in terms of this question. Got a few. I've got borrowed to buy shares, made a killing, or got a 10-bagger on stock. Uh, one gentleman had a, never had a margin call. One guy said he found the stock market predictable. Bernie said that he'd never, ever bought aviation stock. Crypto seems to pop up quite a lot. And one member of the group, which I think is very worth thinking about, is he said he never, ever regretted reading Noel Whitaker's book, Making Money Simple, other than the fact that he left it until he was 30 years old. And that's certainly something the best investment advice I always give young people is just start. The sooner, the better you start, the better you're going to be at the end. Very nice. 
that I don't think I've ever done a personal budget either. I've got a philosophy that you, know, you should wake up every morning worrying about making it, not how you're spending it. My daughter, who had no money in Canberra learning to be a doctor, absorbed hours of her day penny pinching over what she'd spent money on. It, it achieved nothing other than depressed her. And, and she really should have done one thing, which was pick up the phone to her dad and say, I need some money, dad. I can't be counting my pennies like this. It's a waste of my time. Just anyway. like Leighton. <laughs> I, I, I would say I have, I have done a personal budget. Mm. And it's quite good. And I would recommend it to everyone, especially if you don't have that phone call up your sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> Marcus? Never have I ever opened a CFD account and never will I. And that is not because I think there's something particularly wrong with them other than the fact that my best man ran one of the major Australian CFD businesses and the things he had to say about it were appalling. And I'm sure the industry's changed its spot since then, but it really was a cutthroat, present a good face to the customer, pretend you're a broker, pretend you're licensed, pretend you're legitimate and crucify them as hard as you can. They saw every dollar that went into their bank account from a client as their money that the client had to win back. And oh. they got very upset when people made money in the stock market. It's not the stock market, betting on prices of stocks in the stock market. And they would work very hard to um, make sure that those people were disadvantaged. It's a, a uh, so never have I ever, and never ever will I get involved in the CFD industry. There's no, I don't think anyone else has you. Really business model, yeah. thinking of it as your own money. Well, it was clients. a bit like, it was a bit like the TAB. I have, I've traded CFDs quite a lot in the past, I have to say. It was um, interesting experience. <laughs> yes. Well, no, it's I, a great, great way to trade indices. Yeah, but uh, you need to know what you're doing. And it's well known. There, there are people like Louise Bedford teach people how to trade using CFDs. Fine, if you if you know what you're doing. But when the uh, aeroplane hits the building and those companies go under, you, you suddenly, suddenly wonder whether you're actually holding anything other than money in their bank account, which is in the hands of administrators. Anyway. Yeah. And my one will be never have I ever shorted a stock. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> yeah. uh, probably shorting a stock. You would have to have an account with a full service broker to properly short a stock. Mm. So you'd have to have an account with a full service broker. You'd have to ring up your advisor. You'd have to say, I want to short BHP. How many can I short? He would have to go and ask his back office, how many can we short? They would have to come back to you and say, you can short a million. And you would say, right, I'll short this much. Uh, to actually short, it's a very complex process, which is why people use things like CFDs. Well, you can too. I, I have the option on, I use NabTrade and I can- Is there an option to short? Then? Well, you can use options and you can do it. Yeah. Essentially, short a company with options. The word on options as well from the industry is that the only people that make money out of options are the people who have huge holdings in big stocks, optionable stocks that are writing calls against their holdings the whole time. And they earn a marginal one, 2% maybe extra on their yield effectively on their holdings, constantly write out of the money call options. The people who think they can make money trading stocks with options are constantly destroyed by the time value disappearing on them. And it is seen as a bit of a mugs game in the industry. And the people who make the prices, if you're in a broking house and you decide to buy some options, the dealer walks up and asks the price. But when they see you come back again, they know exactly what you're doing. You're closing out the position. They just price against you anyway. Bad liquidity, bad spread. And Henry will have something to say. Oh, about I was about to say, I think Henry yeah. might have a different opinion. And 
But I have a very different opinion on that, I have to say. Retail investors, you have to be very right to make money. And it was just seen as people throwing themselves against the wall. Yeah. Before Henry goes, I've got a different opinion as well from doing a number of derivatives units at uni. And I think there's some really good strategies that can be used and options. But I'll I'll leave Henry to talk about that because he's the expert. You know, options are a fantastic tool for investors. Uh, whether you're writing options or buying puts to protect your uh, portfolio, I think they're a fantastic way to use risk and control risk. As an options market maker and running a derivatives desk at Macquarie, there's certainly, and seen it from the other side, I used to have clients when I was in broking and I used to write calls against their bank holdings till the cows came home and they were massively happy. You could make a lot of money. Obviously, they need watching and monitoring, but uh, you can really turbocharge some of your uh, dividend returns if you do it right and uh, there is ways to do it so big fan of options i'm afraid sorry to dissent on this one so no, um, i don't yes. i don't think that's dissent henry i i think the that fits in with what i know which is writing writing calls and options against existing holdings is good but it's the individual people who come in small size to buy calls and puts to make money out of stocks in the short term that carve themselves up the only thing i would also say is that the problem that you find with writing calls in the market is you wish your life away because you're wishing every month for them to expire worthless so you can pick up the premium. So you do tend to philosophically wish your life away, which is the downside of writing, but you can certainly do pretty well out of it. And there are a lot of people that trade very actively in the warrant markets and those sorts of things, which is something that we, when I was at Macquarie, we um, sort of devised and put together. And there's a lot of uh, people that trade very, very actively in warrant markets which are short-term dated options so there's a lot of um, instruments out there that you can play that's for sure very nice all very interesting stuff but we'll leave it there (laughs) that means it wasn't very interesting no i i I, I could listen to henry talk about that for another couple of hours honestly but i think we uh need to pull the pin there so we'll see you all tomorrow marcus enjoy your trip we'll We'll see you when you get back have a great trip stay safe stay upright